From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to the March 17th, 2022 edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You may notice the festive colors if you're in the stream. If you're listening, you don't see it, but happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy start to the NCAA tournament. I'm Neil McCready. I'm with you today for the next hour and a half or so. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 will join. We'll talk about the NCAA tournament, which um, gets going in earnest a little bit later this morning. And uh, we'll also talk SEC baseball, which gets going tonight as well. SEC series, including Ole Miss and Auburn, getting started tonight. Some series start tonight. Some series start on Friday. Ole Miss and Auburn play Thursday, Friday, Saturday on the Plains. There are some other series that go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as the first um, arguably meaningful weekend of college baseball has arrived. So we'll talk about all of those things and uh, more here on the Oxford Exxon podcast. Brian Rippey, I should mention, he joins as well. Ole Miss put out a release yesterday uh, on Wednesday detailing um, its kind of reasoning for uh, keeping Kermit Davis uh, in his position as head basketball coach at Ole Miss. The press release was, was different. We'll talk about it uh, with Brian. We also will preview the Ole Miss Auburn series in a little more detail. Uh, with him. So a lot for you uh, to enjoy, I think, here on this um, Thursday morning, a podcast that is brought to you by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great place to go uh, fill up, obviously. Uh, They also have great snacks, plate lunches, uh, beer selection, all sorts of things. It's always clean, always friendly. They always take care of you at uh, the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Crystal. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in uh, Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey uh, what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done uh, multiple times now. Uh, or you And that's hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the product. You'll love the service. Corey wants to be a car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. You'll find out what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Brian Rippey, Chris Lee, other guests join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford is a great place to uh, stop in, uh, check out some NCAA tournament, watch uh, Ole Miss baseball tonight, whatever the case may be. Grab a burger, grab a po' boy, enjoy their full beer selection, great appetizers, full bar, and more at Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford and also in New Albany. I mentioned that the NCAA tournament has begun. Uh, there were two games on Tuesday night, of course. The, the uh, final games of the first four in Dayton were played last night. The nightcap was terrific. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, Wright State beats Bryant in a battle of 16s in the South Region. Wright State beating Bryant 93-82. to uh, That game was just a warm-up. 
for what turned out to be a fantastic game, a battle of 11 seeds uh, in a play-in game. Notre Dame beats Rutgers 89-87. to That game goes double overtime. It was a boxing match. It was fantastic. I had no intention of watching that game. I started watching with about eight minutes left and ended up just watching one of the more entertaining games I've seen all season. Two teams just went at each other. Uh, Notre Dame scores with 1.4 seconds left in the uh, second overtime to win it, advance to play Alabama on uh, Friday. A great game between those two teams. Uh, Notre Dame now 23-10. and 10. Rutgers finishes its season at 18-14. and 14. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts about Rutgers being in the NCAA tournament, but they played a really good game last night against the Notre Dame team. It was fun to watch. If you watch the tournament for entertainment's sake, you were entertained. Uh, the tournament in earnest, as I mentioned, starts today. All of the times I'm going to give you now are uh, Central Daylight, Central yeah, Central Daylight Time. Uh, it's Michigan and uh, Colorado State. They get it started at 11:15 today. That's an 11:6 game in the South region. Um, South Dakota State and Providence. They tip it off at 11:40. That's a 13-4 game in the first uh, first round in the Midwest region. Memphis and uh, Boise State play at uh, 1245 today. It's a West region game. Uh, it's a 9-8 game. Memphis the 9, Boise the 8. Your first uh, 16-1 game of the uh, of the tournament is today at 1 o'clock. Norfolk State and Baylor, they uh, meet in Fort Worth in the uh, East region first round. Tennessee, uh, after winning the Southeastern Conference Tournament, they open NCAA tournament play today at 145. The third-seeded Vols uh, play against 14-seed Longwood. That game is a South region game in Indianapolis. At 210, you got uh, one of the 512 games that a lot of times produce the big upsets. It's Richmond and Iowa. Richmond, the 12, uh, having won the A-10 tournament title last week to get into the tournament they play iowa uh that game is at 210 as i said in buffalo at uh, key bank center that's a midwest region first round game gonzaga a lot of people's pick to win the ncaa tournament they're a one seed in the uh, west region they open today against georgia state out in portland that game at 315 marquette and north carolina a 9-8 game that should be pretty entertaining uh, an East Region first-round game in Fort Worth. They get started at 3.30 this afternoon. Then there's a little bit of a break till 5.50. New Mexico State and UConn in a 12-5 game. It's a West Region game in Buffalo, which makes no sense that you play the West Region in Buffalo, but it's the NCAA tournament. They sort of make up their own rules. Uh, a 15-2 game, Kentucky, the uh, two-seed having lost in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. They're back at it against 15-seed St. Peter's in Indianapolis today. A Kentucky, an 18-point favorite. That game begins at 6.10 p.m. Uh, Indiana and St. Mary's. St. Mary's the five out of the WCC. They'll play uh, the Big Ten uh, Hoosiers. Let's see. Uh, St. Mary's is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That game tips off at 6.20 tonight in Portland. Uh, seven minutes later, uh, Creighton and San Diego State tip off in a 9-8 game Midwest region first-round game in Fort Worth. Uh, the Aztecs, a two-point favorite over uh, Creighton. That game, again, at 627. That's a, a Midwest region game. Then the late games at uh, 820, 13-seed Vermont 
four seed Arkansas. They meet a first round game in uh, Buffalo. That's the West Region. Arkansas, a five point favorite uh, in that game. A lot of people circling that game as an upset. Uh, Vermont twenty eight and five on the season. Arkansas twenty five and eight. Uh, then at eight forty, San Francisco and Murray State, two uh, hot young coaches, square off against one another. Murray State's the seven seed. San Francisco is the ten. Murray is a uh, two-point favorite tonight in Indianapolis. That should be a huge crowd. A lot of those Kentucky people will stick around and watch that game. Be a big crowd for that one. Um, again, yeah, two-point two-point favorite for the uh, the Racers. Eight fifty. It's Akron and UCLA in a thirteen-four game out in uh, Portland. It's an East Region first-round game. UCLA is a thirteen and a half point favorite over the Zips. And then uh, the final game of the day, 8.57 p.m., it's 16-seeded Texas Southern who won their play-in game on Tuesday. In Dayton, they face the uh, one-seed Kansas Jayhawks. That game in Fort Worth, It uh, Kansas is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Kansas, the one-seed in the uh, Midwest region. So that's the games you have to look forward to today. Uh, a lot of good games. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll get to uh, we'll get to Brian Rippey in a minute. Ole Miss obviously not in the tournament. That um, not even close to the tournament. Ole Miss put out a release uh, yesterday that was was different. Brian and I break it down pretty thoroughly. So I think you'll enjoy that. We talk a little Ole Miss Auburn baseball. So we'll get to that in a second. First, I do want to remind you that Bro Throw is hosting a March Madness bracket challenge. They're giving away three hundred dollars cash. Sign up today at brothrow.com, earn your first bracket entry, then earn one for every friend you sign up. No limit to the number of brackets you can earn. Stop paying the juice. Bet with your friends on Brothrow. Don't forget, Ole Miss hit five home runs in their series against uh, Oral Roberts over the weekend. That means you get 50% off all socks at uh, deadsoxy.com, the best socks you'll ever put on your feet, 50% off through midnight on Sunday. That's March the 20th. Just go to deadsoxy.com, enter the promo code REBELGROVE, one word, all caps, for 50% off at Dead Soxy. Uh, Game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch is used before or while you drink. The overtime patch is used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for the next play. Go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. ACS is owned by Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. They have a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop and so much more. To learn more, go to ACSLLCMS.com or call 662-601-4381. They're also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at... Um, uh, 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving the Oxford area for 75 years almost. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, fashion jewelry, collectibles, and so much more. They're the gold standard in fine jewelry. LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. We're also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Uh, starting to warm up. Temperatures in the 70s today. You're probably starting to get to that place where you... Uh, fire up the air conditioner. You want to make sure it's ready to roll, ready to cool you when the warmer weather arrives. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 
801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. Different names, same great products, same great people, same great services. Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. The College Corner is your one-stop rebel shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's uh, next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com. They have the largest selection of rebel gear in central Mississippi. And uh, I'll be recording a Mind on My Money later today. It's brought to you by Pinnacle, home to the Pinnacle 401k advisory services team. Get in touch with them, and they'll conduct a complimentary, no-obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. It's mypinwealth.com. So I talked to Brian Rippey uh, last night for about half an hour. I think you guys will uh, enjoy this interview as we talk about that press release and we get you ready for Ole Miss at Auburn baseball starting tonight at Plainsman Park in Auburn. Oh, that didn't good. That's not good. We'll fix it. You're watching at home. I just shrunk maybe to a place where a lot of people would like for me to go into oblivion, but I fixed it. There I am. So here is uh, here's Brian Rippey. Brian Rippey, you probably know him from rebelgrove.com, MPW Digital, Rippey Writes, all that stuff. He's uh, kind enough to spend some time with us this evening. We're taping this on Wednesday night. You'll see it on Thursday on uh, this here Oxford Exxon podcast. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So we're going to get to a couple things. Not going to keep you super long because you're doing a lot of other stuff and um, you're allowed to have a life as well. So uh, Ole Miss put out a basketball press release today Wednesday that the more I read it the more I, I find new things in it and I know I'm, I'm I'm going to make enemies here and so you're going to be my partner in crime but you know we do hand raise guys every most Thursday nights and hand raise guys Brian was based on the idea that in any kind of a meeting there needs to be a guy in the back or a girl in the back it doesn't have to be a guy a person in the back who just every so often has the freedom to raise his or her hand and say, I'm just saying, I don't want to offend anybody. Before we put this out into the ether for the public consumption, we might want to change a word. And then that person can be vetoed. It's cool. That's their job. That's all they do. They sit in the back of the room, hand-raised guy, and go, a thought and hand raised guy would have been or girl would have been really busy on this press release. Oh yes. Um, you know, you talk about changing a word. I think the hand raised person to be, to be politically correct would have said, Hey, how about let's delete a couple paragraphs. Um, maybe let's stop after the top quote. I am i I'm with you on this one. What well, we got this as we record this on a Wednesday evening, I was sitting at the office. It was a slow day in the grease industry, and I got this about 11.45, and I got about three or four paragraphs in, and I was like, wow. wow. There is a lot going on here, and none of it is good. You, uh, y'all might be onto something with this hand-raised guy concept because there's just, to me, there is no way that someone who didn't write this or was just not you know, careful or whatever the case may be, there's no way someone carefully – and neutrally read over this and thought, yep, this is the winner. Let's go with this. So let's read through it. Okay. Carter Davis focused on future of Ole Miss basketball. So far, okay. 
Oxford, Mississippi. As Ole Miss's 2021-2022 men's basketball campaign comes to a close, the program's leadership is already shifting its focus to next season and beyond. The Rebels finished the slate with a 13-19 and record, marking just their third losing season in the last 16 years. Okay. Quote, Coach Davis and I have had productive discussions this week, and while our team faced some unforeseen circumstances, we are both disappointed by this season's results, said Keith Carter, blah, blah, blah. Kermit, referring to Kermit Davis, has enjoyed tremendous success throughout his career and understands what it takes to win at a high level. He was... He has presented to me a plan to regain the momentum that took our program to the NCAA tournament just a few years ago. Additionally, we are committed to providing him support and resources in order to make the changes necessary to compete for championships. We believe in Kermit's vision for Ole Miss basketball and look forward to seeing it translate to NCAA tournament success. End quote. All right. So, so far, it's fine. It's fine. And frankly, you should have just stopped there. Absolutely. It should have ended there. If you're going to put out something like that, just end it there. Because someone would say, well, what's the plan? And then someone like me would say, oh, come on. It's very clear. They say NCAA tournament twice. It's NCAA tournament or bust. That's the deal. Everybody knows it. Here we go. Good enough. They did not, Brian. Stop. Not even close. New quote, this time from Kermit Davis. Our players and staff are looking straight ahead with great enthusiasm to get Ole Miss basketball back to NCAA tournaments in our third postseason in five years. That's mistake one. Even though the NIT counts as a postseason, never claim it, especially when you lost in the first round in a lackluster performance against Louisiana Tech. You don't claim, you just it counts, but don't talk about it. Resuming the quote. This past season was one of the most uniquely challenging year pertaining years pertaining to injuries I've ever endured as a head coach. We have a great nucleus coming back with four of our top scorers returning and getting Deshaun, Robert, and Jarkel 100% healthy for the 2022-2023 season. We will have a top 25 recruiting class with four high school players that will immediately impact our program, and we will attack the portal as aggressively as any team in America. I believe in our process, but I'm not satisfied with our progress. And I assure you, we will not be satisfied until we achieve what we have set out to do, win NCAA tournament games. As a proud Mississippi native, I firmly believe there is no greater honor than wearing a jersey with Ole Miss on the front, and every day I'm proud to coach these players. End quote. So there's a lot to unpack in this quote. And hand raised guy would have said, Coach, with all due respect, this is not a good idea. Not a good idea. There's a lot here. There's a lot of questions. This is not a good idea. Beyond the third postseason in in five years. Um teams get hurt. Injuries happen in sports. I'm not sure how that's uniquely challenging. Nobody died. This is, I mean, if, if Mike White had said a year ago, this was a uniquely challenging year. Our preseason uh, SEC Player of the Year collapsed on the court in Tallahassee in November, and our players feared that he was dead and worried for his life, and that really disrupted our season emotionally, spiritually, 
needless to say, we weren't the same basketball team. That That's uniquely challenging. Um, when you coached, uh, you know, Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers, and Hank Gathers dies in the first round of the of Western Conference Athletic Tournament or whatever it's called, that's a uniquely challenging situation. A couple of ACL injuries, Brian, are not uniquely challenging. It, it, it's that that's not what you say there. You were around during AK's year. I can't remember if that was 2010 or 2011. Do you remember when he had the three guys tear their right ACL? It was like Polynese, Warren, and forgive me on the third name, but you know, you could even qualify that as almost uniquely challenging. Another one that came to mind was Mike Bray, pretty respected guy in the industry, had a year one or two years ago. I'll never forget. I was watching a TV broadcast and the analyst was like, I'm not exactly sure who this guy is. And it turned out he was a former manager that was having to soak up some minutes in the final minutes of the game. That is uniquely challenging. Yes. Like, absent of tragedy, if you want to go to the point where you're having to suit up managers to get to practice, yeah. you lose your three best players to season-ending injuries in November. Sure, uniquely challenging. Losing Deshaun Ruffin for you know half the year, three-quarters of the year, and Jarko Joyner for a little less than half the year. And then Robert Allen, who you don't even really know what he is as a player yet, albeit in the tiny sample size, was pretty efficient. That is not uniquely challenging. That exposes a flawed roster. Yeah, he says, we have a, a good nucleus coming back with four of our top five scorers returning and getting Deshaun, Robert, and Jarkel 100% healthy for the 2022-23 season, which begs the question, why did you have Jar- – if, if Jarkel's definitely coming back, why did you do senior day? I, but beyond that, I don't care. It doesn't matter. No one was there to see it. Um, That's true. We'll, we'll, we'll have a top 25 recruiting class with four high school players. They're not ranked top 25 in any – and I'm not picking here, but I'm doing what someone should have done in that room and said, Coach, which uh, outlet has you ranked in the top 25 in recruiting? And now by selling these four guys as these four guys are part of this recruiting class that's going to have, quote, immediately impact our program, when they don't, it now begs the question, did you misevaluate these players? And you now have to ask that. And when someone like me asked that in December, January, did you misevaluate these players? And they get angry. I'm using your words, your words from this statement that – is inane, honestly. Um, what was his problem this year? He only got mad at me the one time, and I didn't ask the best question in the world, but he kept saying that he, his team wasn't, wasn't doing what he was telling them to do, and I asked, are they listening? Do you feel like they're listening? Oh, well, they're absolutely listening if I'm the coach. And to his credit, I never thought his team quit on him. I thought his team played the whole season. They, they just There was a roster problem. And so it begs the question, are you repeating the roster problem? Because you had this end of your bench with four freshmen, one who got hurt, and three who couldn't play, and they couldn't play. Let's be real. If they could have played, they would have played. If they could have been effective, they would have played more. When they did play, they weren't very effective, with the uh, slight exception of James White, who did not play in Tampa, and no one's even asked why. It's my understanding that something happened discipline-wise in Tampa that led to him not playing in the game against Missouri. Regardless, you didn't get anything effective out of the end of your bench, and so you've signed four guys in an arrow that's transfer portal heavy, and now you're coming back and you're going to sign four more guys, and it begs the question, well, can they play? And in this statement, he puts it out there that, yes, they can play. 
four high school players that will immediately impact our program. The only way you could interpret that is that means they're going to play. But then he says, we will attack the portal as aggressively as any team in America. And it begs the question, but if Jarkel's coming back and Robert's coming back, you didn't mention what's going to happen with these, these high school kids that you brought in a year ago, but you're bringing in four high school guys. How much room do you have to attack the portal aggressively? The only math there is the fact that you're going to cut loose. You know, there's an Austin Crowley and probably Luis Rodriguez or somewhere else in the mix, but you're Amy going Hunter. to put bait with at least one of those high school kids that you brought in last year was the exact problem, which is probably the the real, I guess, problem part of this quote is, is he's <clears throat> saying we have a top 25 recruiting class of four high school kids, which let alone that it's not ranked top 25 by any measure. That was the problem with this roster last year. The depth exposed the fact that you took three, four high school kids. I think it was three. They can't really play and help you. It wasn't the fact that you were decimated by injuries and just couldn't compete. Look, if you're playing freshmen that aren't ready, you go three and six down the stretch. You don't go zero and nine or whatever it was down the end of the year. So I don't understand why I bring that up if you don't have to. And then the other part of it is you just hit on is like, okay, well, if you have four of those kids and then you just mentioned four of the five top scores coming back, Where's the room for the portal guys? And also, why say that without knowing? Does that tell you they know for certainty that Morell's coming back? Or is that is there a reason they didn't name that? I don't understand why you would say that without knowing it for sure. Well, in four of the five, it, it and I don't have the list in front of me for who who their leading guys were, but I can hit it real quick. Let's see. I can go back. So stats, season stats. Looking for team stats. Here we go. Uh, individual. The four leading scorers in this team were Jarkel Joyner, Deshaun Ruffin, Matt Morrell, Nas Brooks, Jamin Brakefield. So he's telling you that Brooks is out of eligibility. He's 26. Um, so it's Joyner, Ruffin, Morrell, and Brakefield are all coming back. So that's four. And you've got four guys that are coming in as freshmen. Um, Ty Fagan. You've already said Robert Allen's back. That's nine. Uh, Ty Fagan is has more eligibility. Has already used his transfer portal. I I don't know whether you're processing him, cutting him. I don't know. I've heard Luis Rodriguez is going out west. I've heard Austin Crowley is is likely transferring, and I've heard Sammy Hunter is likely transferring. I've heard a specific destination for for Hunter, so I, I tend to believe it. Um, I, I've I don't know what they're doing with James White. We talked about him a minute ago. I, I have to believe that they're processing Grant Slatten. And my guess would be they're they're processing Eric Vanderheiden. That'd be my guess. So that gives you so four, eight, Allen's nine. If you count Fagan, that's ten. So you have three to four spots in the transfer portal. If if that's assuming that Crowley, Hunter, White, Slatten, and Van, Vanderheiden are all gone. That's your roster. So back to the statement. And if you have four spots, you can you can attack it uh, aggressively, as they say you're going to, but you're going to have to get at least a wing who can start and play. You probably need a backup guard because Ruffin is coming off of an ACL injury that he suffered on the last day of January, and this is Ole Miss doctors doing the surgery, and Ole Miss guys never bounce back the way that Alabama guys do. So it takes an Alabama player seven months to be ready. It takes an Ole Miss player 11. So got to figure that out. And your season starts in November. I feel like I'm being a real jerk. Um, 
And by the way, the whole Mississippi native thing, I don't know why Ole Miss people get obsessed with that. Lane Kiffin is not from Mississippi, and he's the most popular coach that I've ever covered at Ole Miss. And I don't I don't know that if I asked Lane to talk about the geography of Mississippi that I, after he looked at me and said, wait, who are you? I'm not sure that he would be able to do much other than Oxford. I'm not sure if I said, here's Mississippi. Here's a pen for Oxford. Show me where it is on the map. I don't know that he'd get it right, and I don't know that it matters. I don't think he would put it down near the coast because I think he probably is pretty aware he's not near that. Can't fish for snook out in Sardis. But on top of that, without I don't even mean this in a political sense, but in putting the Mississippi thing, doesn't it feel like the same pandering of his introductory press conference where he just randomly said without being asked would stand for the anthem? Felt very same similar tune there. It's like, well, why? Why is that necessary? It's like when they told Matt Luke to do, hey, do Mississippi made. Oh God! I wish I could have been in that room and said, no, Matt, don't. Do not. Don't. Just recruit football players. Anyway, now we go into a breakdown of the background of Kermit Davis, which feels unnecessary at this moment. This is a press release that you have to believe is going to get picked apart. And you don't need all of this. In his first season in 2018-19, Davis led the Rebels to their first NCAA tournament since 2015, following one of the biggest turnaround seasons in the nation. Predicted to finish last in the SEC, headed into his first year. Ole Miss exceeded expectations. The Rebels finished sixth in the conference before punching their NCAA tournament ticket, while Davis collected SEC Coach of the Year honors along the way. Joined Rod Barnes, blah, blah, blah. Cool. No one's taking that away. Davis's squad narrowly missed the NCAA tournament in 2021 and received an NIT bid, despite being the uh, final Power 5 team to uh, cover to start their season due to a COVID-19 outbreak within the program. The Rebels went on to lead the SEC in scoring defense, win 10 of the final 13 games, and earn a number one seed in the NIT. Ole Miss finished the season 3-0 against ranked teams, including two victories. It's all good. Okay. It's fine. It's not necessary. It skips it skips over the middle season where they went six and twelve in the league and lost on the first game of the SEC tournament. It, we, we skipped that. Davis's uh, let's see that Davis's squad. I already got that. Let's see. Uh that winning streak against ranked teams extended into this past season when the Rebels tied an overall program record with their fourth consecutive top 25 win after beating number 18 Memphis. Ole Miss had an additional top 25 victory over number 25 LSU. In addition to, and this is where I just can't believe that someone didn't go, don't, don't, don't. In addition to narrow defeats in hard-fought battles at number 18 Tennessee, the loss in overtime, versus number four Auburn, a loss at home by nine, and at Kentucky, a loss by 11. In total, the Rebels lost five games to net top 50 teams by 10 or fewer points. <laughs> this was the part I couldn't believe was in here and was real. Yeah, I, I thought I, they I, forgot to cut a draft. I, I, I just, I, I could not get my, I could not wrap my head around that one. I sent this screenshot. I have a couple of buddies that are really invested in Ole Miss basketball. I just said, look what dropped in my inbox. <laughs> the whole thing was unnecessary, but all you need to read is this part. We could take this a number of different ways. I don't know where to start. If you know, you would say we're being jerks here. If you want to be as nice as possible, he did go to Tennessee with a shorthanded roster. 
and they battled. Okay. Of course, but you're in the SEC. It's your fourth year. You're supposed to go battle. With the the last two being a nine and 11 point defeat, followed by the absolute money one of (laughs) of the five top 50 losses by 10 points or less. Or what are you saying? Who, Who? I mean, I went to ULM. If ULM put this out, I'd be like, yeah, good for you guys. Right? You're teaching, but good for you. But I'd say good for you guys. I mean, like you pet a Labrador retriever when he brings you his toy every morning. You're like, hey, you know what? He that's that's an accomplishment. He went and got his toy and he brought it to you. He wants you to see it. You say, Hey, look at that. That's really cool. But that's not this is an SEC program. This is not you don't hey, well, he lost by eleven to Kentucky. Okay. We only lost by nine to Auburn. Hey, we, we took Tennessee to overtime. I mean, what's the standard? It feels like Houston nut that day. Well, it wasn't no 49 to 10, was it, Neil? Well, son of a bitch, Houston, are you claiming a moral victory here in year four because you played Arkansas close? I mean, what 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 is what is that standard? I mean, I don't this is this is this is what it's this setting the stage for we're going to be super defensive. And one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to win and you're going to be like, see, told you, proved you guys wrong. We don't play. Or it's not going to work and it's going to be this miserable experience at which you've made it worse with this. There were a couple of paragraphs in here that you could have done. You could have just held a simple press conference and said, hey, we've got to be better. We know we have to be better. Yeah, we have some things that happen, but you know what? We're not going to do excuses. The truth is we've just got to be better. Our roster wasn't built the way it needs to be built. And the bottom line is we have to fix the way we build our rosters. Cool. I'm still in just disbelief and all that. I don't understand what you're saying. Like, not like, what are you saying by that? I don't. The, the it's like the NFL thing a little bit of like hey we lost it you had so many teams that come out and there's usually a report from some hometown beat reporter they lost this many one score games like that's the NFL like that seventy percent sure. of games are decided by one score like at least it plays this one doesn't even play I just don't understand who that's for and what you're saying like what is the standard like you played a bunch of top fifty teams and didn't lose by double digits what a first what year coach taking over is that, is yeah. that, a first-year coach taking over a program and they play a bunch of close games and everybody's going, boy, I tell you what, man, you better get them now. They're coming. I get that, but this is this is something – I would have raised my hand and, sound, and said this sounds so defensive. We, we, we really we, – we sound like we're offended that we're having to put this out. The – the day so in all of this there's i I don't want to go the whole like moral high ground of like lack of personal accountability but is there any part from like kermit davis that comes of this past season was unacceptable it's a lot of injuries we played close games we're gonna have a top 25 recruiting class there is no what should have been in the statement right we talked about what should and shouldn't have been in it you could have gotten away with the top four paragraphs I argued for the with a friend of mine today. It was like one saying nothing would have been better than a couple of those paragraphs we went yeah. to. We should we have. Said, we haven't even gotten to one of them. Uh, yeah, and it's it's the it's the I guess the part of like if you are going to say something, whether it's a press conference or it's a press release, just say, "Hey, this year was unacceptable. We know we have to change this. We believe this is the guy to fix it." And then have some quote from Kermit that's you know, this "Hey, is, I realize this is not the standard. We're going to fix this." I'm about to work my ass off. Yeah, none I'm of not, it's in there. Yeah, and then. They, 
Excuse me. It's emblematic of his press conferences of dumping kids under the bus. It reminds me of that Dom deal from, remember in 2019 where they drew up that terrible play in Arkansas where they could have won the game? He did this to Matthew Morell, and I brought it back in the newsletter where he kept, Dom catches it like 75 feet from the basket, dude's double teamed, and Kermit just goes, I don't know why the center didn't hand it off. First time in 20 years running it. It's like, what I remember that play now. I remember like, that play now. It's like, what are we talking about? Because remember, that was the game we all went up there because if they had won it, they would have punched their ticket. They ended up being fine. But like that's emblematic of some of his press conference over the year. It's a lot of throwing under the bus is what I gathered from it. They talk about it, 64 victories. Davis is one of three coaches in Ole Miss history to rack up at least 60 wins alongside Barnes and Andy Kennedy. Okay. Um, Davis has coached four all-conference players during his three years in Oxford. Because one of the knocks at the end of the season was they had nobody on the all-conference teams. And I would have said, don't do this. Don't do this. Because while I believe Kermit deserves a ton of credit for the development of Devontae Shuler, and while I believe, and I know it because I saw it, that Kermit deserves a ton of credit for the development of Brian Tyree, and while I believe, because I saw it, that Kermit deserves a ton of credit for where Terrence Davis's game went in that final season to lead him to an NBA career. I give Kermit a ton of credit. The hand raised guy would go, but the thing is, the knock is that he can't evaluate and recruit these guys, and he didn't recruit those guys. Leave it alone. And make, make, make this clear because I know this is going to get picked apart. I believe Kermit Davis deserves a tremendous amount of credit for Terrence Davis's NBA career. In fact, on the list of who deserves the credit, I would rank Terrence Davis number one because he did the work, Kermit number two, and Andy number three. If Brian makes the league, I will give the credit to Brian number one and to Kermit number two because Kermit was the one that moved Brian's position. And Devontae Shuler, I remember when Andy signed Devontae Shuler, he said one day he's going to lead the SEC in scoring. And Andy thought that Devontae was going to be a two-guard. And Kermit rightly moved him to the point. And Devontae had what most people would view as a very successful college career playing for, for Kermit Davis. Um, but I still wouldn't have gone there because then the next thing is – and I couldn't believe they used this word. It, it shows me that they're tone deaf to the baseball thing as well. Final paragraph. Davis has taken Ole Miss to, quote, new heights. They didn't put it in quotes. I put it in quotes. New heights in recruiting, signing the two highest-ranked recruits in program history, Matthew Morrell, Deshaun Ruffin. Ruffin was the first McDonald's All-American, both corrected water. Tells me they have no idea in that building just how – under fire, Mike Bianco will be if this baseball season doesn't end in Nebraska. And the fact that that hasn't been his problem. I remember having a conversation. I don't remember his own radio or like we wrote it at the time Kermit was hired. It was basically, it was like, well, it'll come down to can he sign a level of kid that AK was not able to sign consistently. And look, there's a number of different factors for that. It's not just whether AK versus Kermit is a recruiter. Not at all. Sure. He started to do that. He got the morale. And that Matthew Morrell, that was a big signing. And then he got Deshaun Ruffin. So that hasn't been his problem. The marquee kid, it's how he built the roster around them has been the issue. And then to take credit for 
three kids being all SEC that he didn't recruit, but like you mentioned, deserves a wild amount of credit for developing, which, you know, if you wanted to make the case of him getting it turned around, if he actually finds players, he knows how to put them in positions to win. Like he's good with it. His problem has been the roster building around it. And so they just opened up a bunch of can of worms that they didn't need to go there. This needed to be short and to the point, and they just started going, as you put it, very defensive and getting into a lot of areas that didn't make any sense, contradictory, and honestly just sounded defensive. All right, I've kept you long enough. Real quick, uh, your thoughts on Ole Miss-Auburn starting Thursday night uh, at Plainsman Park. Fascinating series. Auburn is uh, – they haven't really – kind of like Ole Miss, they haven't really played anyone – um dealing with one of the pitcher injuries but the two guys they are starting Ole Miss saw last year they did pit both of them pretty well not a place that Ole Miss has played pretty well but you know I hate to say this about an early March series but it feels weirdly important Ole Miss not playing very well right now dealing with a couple injuries you know if you go lose two or three here all of a sudden you're facing a pretty hot Tennessee team and you know you're two weeks into kind of a four-week gift the way the schedule lined up with it being so hard in the second half of the year so you know, they need to. I think they probably get it, but they're certainly going to have to play better defensively. That game at Law was pretty ugly. What's the if you if I told you you could look at one stat and it would tell you what basically happened over the weekend? What would you what would you ask for? Ooh, Is I it, hate to know how many errors they committed, but tell me what one through or two through six did in the order because they were been pretty bad the last couple of games. So if the middle of the order. Or you don't miss Kevin Graham. I think they're hit. They they hit their way through Auburn pitching enough to win at least two of these games. So I'll go. What does two through six do in the order? Okay. Yeah, and I think you're onto something defensively. Early when it was super cold, I was like, yeah, it's just you know, and they're blowing people out. You kind of lose your attention span. When it starts happening more regularly in closer games, you're like, ah, it might be a problem. Where you defense defense might be an issue. So. There's a, a number of little things that I'm kind of watching for. It's early in the season, and you see this. Here's the teal, and we'll stop with this. You could take any team in the SEC, pick anyone, Vanderbilt, uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, whoever, and if you watched every single game so far, you could pick them apart, and you, you could just nag on them. But we are to the point now where the SEC schedule, where these are the games that matter. These are the 30 that determine what happens to you, and – these are the 30 that, unlike a loss in Hammond or in Orlando that won't matter a bit if you take care of business in the league, these are the games that, that roll around that can start to haunt you a little bit and can change your can change your outlook in late May. So right, a couple of those games in College Station did a year ago where I kind of thought that was, you know, a couple of those games prevented them from being national seeds and hosting a Super Regional instead of having to go to Tucson. It wasn't games that happened in Ruston as much as I would like for, to think that games in Ruston really matter more than any other game, it was it was the games at SEC venues, not not out of conference. Oh, you're dead on there. I mean, last year, away from being in a national seat, it's two managerial decisions, the Sunday game in Starkville, the Sunday game, uh, the whole pitching to whoever that kid was that hit the Grand Slam in College Station. You're right. These are the games that matter, and the margin for error comes thinner. Last thing on defensive stuff, he's had teams that were like, if they suck defensive, you're like, okay, this makes sense. They're trying to – put Dillard in left field just because he has to hit. This team shouldn't stink defensively. Like, if you look at it on paper, they should be pretty good. And you know, talk about a thin margin for error. That could be the difference. But weirdly important series to out of the gates this weekend for sure. Yeah, I agree completely. It'll be interesting to keep up with. Hey, thanks for the time. Really appreciate you. And I uh, look forward to your work here on the site and on uh, MPW Digital. Anytime. That was Brian Rippey from uh, last night. Hope you guys enjoyed that uh, interview. Pretty interesting stuff. There's some, some interesting conversation in the uh, in the thread. 
You know, there's there's the people that do the thing about the Ole Miss basketball job's a bad job. I, I couldn't disagree more. I don't think it's a bad job. Is it? Is it the Kentucky job? Of course not. But neither is any other job in the SEC. Is it the Arkansas job? No, it's not. Arkansas has a better uh, support system and all of that stuff. Yet, if you look at the way that Eric Musselman has built that program in the last two years, it's been primarily through the transfer portal, which is 100% available to Ole Miss. Um, there's talk about Auburn in the NCAA tournament today as a two seed. I covered Auburn for six seasons as a beat writer. I covered two Sweet 16 teams, and I covered some teams that sucked. It's about coaches. It's about players. It's about commitment. It's about putting a, a, a team together that makes sense. It's like putting puzzle pieces together. Basketball, more than any other sport, is puzzle pieces. You have to have pieces that fit. You can't just throw it out there and see what happens. You've got to recruit pieces that fit. And the portal allows you to do that today more than ever before. And with the money that's in the, from uh, the TV stuff, the SEC is the premier league in the country. It's the league that a lot of coaches, trust me on this, a lot of coaches are really intrigued with the idea of coaching in the SEC. And um, it's only going to get better. Texas and Oklahoma are joining here in the next 12 to 24 months. The league's going to get better. It's going to get even more high profile. Uh, Ole Miss poured a ton of money into uh, the pavilion, uh, into the Tui Center. You can win at Ole Miss. Do you have to be efficient? Of course. But I think that applies at a lot of places. Tennessee's not always won in basketball. Not everybody always wins. It's about being efficient. It's about putting a team together that makes sense. Um. You can do it at Ole Miss. I've seen it done. But you you have to have a you have to have a a strategic approach. And I think the transfer portal allows you to have a second crack at, at guys. You don't get them the first time, you, you keep re-recruiting, but you have to have people on your staff, people plural, who are connected nationally. You have to have analysts on your staff who are intimately familiar with 300-plus rosters around the country. And you have to have connections through high schools, through AAU, through whatever the case may be, that knows when someone might be interested in getting into the portal and you get ahead. So people do the job ranking thing. And I'm cool with that. I mean, that's fine. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. But I'm not here's, – here's the thing. If the Ole Miss job is, say, 12th in the SEC, I don't know that it's that far down from 9th. I don't know that it's far enough down from 9th to make a difference. I mean, there's, I, I think there are three or four jobs in the league that are considerably better than others. But if you look at those places, look at Arkansas, look at Florida, look at Tennessee, they have not had nothing but sustained success. You, you, have, to have, you have to have people in your program – who are connected, who can get players, and then who can get the players who fit. Hey, you need a defensive player here. You need a wing who can shoot. The last two seasons, anybody keeping up with Ole Miss has looked at them and said, "Um, hey, you, you need more shooters. You need more threats on the wings. And that's not what they signed. They signed more kind of three and not even three and D, just kind of they, they signed more guys who were just sort of mid-range guys. And th- those pieces didn't fit. They didn't make sense. Um, 
Alan's making a point for me in the thread talking about Missouri. A lot of people would say Missouri's a better job, and I think Missouri is potentially a much better job than a lot of the jobs in the SEC. Missouri hasn't won an NCAA tournament game in 10 years. 10 years. Just don't – I don't buy it. I don't buy that you can't win at Ole Miss or you can't win at Mississippi State or you can't win. I, I just don't – I don't believe that. I, I think the I think the evidence runs to the contrary. But you have to be efficient. You have to recruit well. That's the bottom line. You have to recruit the right kind of players. And frankly, with NIL and the transfer portal, it's easier to do that now than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever time frame you want to use. The podcast is brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Get in touch with John at um, excuse me, 901-494-3387 or jedwards at regencytravel.net. We're also brought to you by Opa, Oxford's newest restaurant on the historic square. Euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, candlelit patio, and more. 306 South Lamar, just south of the square courthouse in Oxford. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Uh, yesterday I did a uh, mailbag, audio mailbag here on the podcast feed. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, and you can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We're also brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. I told you yesterday about if you're on the job hunt, if you're seeking an entry-level position, or if you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board for you at Service Specialist. Uh, using service specialist is free for the candidate. All conversations are kept confidential. So you have nothing to lose by giving them a call. But if it's your company that's looking to hire quality, hard to find talent, service specialist can help you. Keep in mind that payment of service is solely contingent on if you desire, if you decide, I should say, to hire a candidate that they send. You have nothing to lose. So give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662 832 5138 or check out their new and improved website at service specialist ltd.com the uh, first edition of the mason brooks show is up at uh what's up on this podcast feed i'll have it up at rebelgrove.com i'll tweet it out later this morning as well um it's brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue, your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand select pieces from top designers from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items. Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and so many other brands. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. Uh, Ole Miss Spring Football, by the way, begins on Tuesday. Um, I've not seen a media schedule yet. But the uh, schedule is Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. Um, my guess is that the Saturday practice is going to be open, but I don't know that. Um, Pro Day is Wednesday at Ole Miss. Big, huge day for Matt Corral and some other guys. So we'll have football coverage 
for you next week. Just not sure what the media schedule is at this point, whether we're having a a pre-spring uh, press conference with Lane Kiffin. My guess would be that we'll have a Tuesday midday press conference with Lane Kiffin following the first practice. That would just be my my guess, but I could be wrong. We'll see. Anyway, talk to Mason Brooks about all of that. Ole Miss's new offensive tackle. Speaking of the transfer portal, Lane Kiffin has had a ton of success in the transfer portal, adding Mason Brooks and so many others just yesterday. Last night, as a matter of fact, Ole Miss got another running back commitment from the transfer portal, Ulysses Bentley IV, uh, who had a very strong two seasons at uh, SMU. He uh, announced his intention to transfer to Ole Miss. My guess would be late May, early June. So he will join a uh, a completely renovated running back room. It's amazing what Ole Miss has done with that running back room. Um, Jerry Neely leaves for the NFL. So does Snoop Connor. Henry Parrish Jr. transfers to Miami. And it really left them with just Kentrell Bullock and some walk-ons, frankly, in that room. And they go add Zach Evans. Now they add um, Bentley. And they uh, signed Quinchon Judkins out of uh, Alabama, high school kid that they're super excited about that is in Oxford, will go through spring ball starting next week. So it's kind of my point. You can uh, you can use the transfer portal to rebuild now in a way that previous coaches anywhere couldn't use. They're right. It's right there in front of you. You just have to – you basically have to accept that that's the new way of, of doing business and uh, and go from there. All right, so uh, yesterday I also talked to Chris Lee of Southeastern 14. NCAA tournament begins here as we're recording this in a couple of hours. So we talk about the tournament, the SEC teams in the tournament. We also look ahead at the SEC baseball series of note. Um, Here's Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 on MPW Digital. Chris Lee of Southeastern 14, VandySports.com, kind enough to spend some time with us here. We're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. You'll see this, hear this on Thursday. Chris, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a fun time of year. Even before I did sports media full-time and did something else, I would always take vacation for the NCAA tournament. Uh, So just between that, the weather changing, uh, you know, thank God we have baseball again. Uh, conference play in the SEC is starting this weekend. I don't think it gets a lot more fun than it gets these few weeks. All right, we'll start here. I see your Braves hat on your head. The Braves won the World Series. Um, great season, exciting season. Uh, Freddie Freeman's been kind of the face of that franchise for a long time. And uh, the Braves apparently moving away from Freddie Freeman. Give me your baseball take and then be honest and give me your emotional take. Because I I know what this is like because last summer when the Cubs had that 24-hour period where they said goodbye to Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez, it seems like there's somebody else sent packing. It was kind of emotional. It was kind of – I mean, I, I didn't tear up, but I felt something. And I was on the verge of like kind of letting a couple out, you know, because those were my yeah. guys, right? Those were the guys that that uh, won a World Series, and they'd let Kyle Schwarber go earlier, and um, you know, it's over. And you realize that that era is over. The Braves, though, Chris, in a totally different spot because they go make a deal for, frankly, a better player, and they keep all their other guys, and so the Braves are not shutting the window closed on contention whatsoever. No, and boy, it's been a roller coaster for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, 
you know, I, when the news broke, I was not pleased either from an emotional standpoint or a baseball standpoint because the take was maybe they got a better player in Olsen. They certainly got a younger player. I'm like, well, yeah, but that wasn't a free trade-off. You, you could just sign Freeman, keep your four prospects, which I think they're four of the top 15, including a catcher that may be an all-star player one day. I mean, who knows? But oh, sure. so like, I, did, I didn't like it from that standpoint. Now, the next day when they signed Olsen to an extension, I was liking it a lot more. Eight years. Yeah, I mean, because now you keep him through a time where it's not far-fetched to think he's going to produce. That now that eases the the sting of the prospects a bit. And Freeman, I I have some connections there to the Braves a little bit through a roundabout way. And I think they made him a fair offer. I think Freddie was probably still a little upset that the Braves dragged their feet on this a couple of years, which to me is inexcusable. And I don't know – they're owned by Liberty Media. I, I wonder if sometimes there's a disconnect between the the business and the heart. And I get it. It's a business, right? Sure. But but you don't – and when I hear people t- make the hard take that it's, well, it's a business, I'm like, well, well wait a minute. If, it, if these guys are just robots, then you don't sell jerseys. You don't get fans in the stands. You can't engender loyalty that way. So I'm, I'm yeah. still – while I'm miffed at the way the Braves handled it and I feel like – if they'd just done it differently a couple of years ago, maybe we never have this conversation. Uh, and look, to me, that's one of these things that, like, I think if I'm in the stadium the first time he comes to Atlanta or watching on TV and takes an at-bat, I'll probably get a little misty-eyed watching really? it and thinking of what he meant and, and thinking, man, I hope one day when he's when he's 38 and at the tail end, you know, and the Braves need that 24th, 25th guy to round out their roster, there's a spot for him. But, yeah, that'll, that'll sting, but – Getting Olsen made me feel so much better. And, and they signed Eddie Rosario today, too, which really lifted my mood. Yeah, it's kind of how I am with Anthony Rizzo. Like, as we taped this on Wednesday, Rizzo's just signed an extension with the Yankees and or a new deal with the Yankees. And I've had some people, including you, be like, hey, you, you okay? And I'm yeah, I'm good. I That was over. Like last year, you know, when Chris Bryant came back with the Giants, I stood up in my own living room and, and applauded. Yeah, thank you. But it's over. I I didn't want them to keep Javier Baez. Javier Baez is not going to age well. And I'd rather just have the memories. I'd rather have look back on that 2016 and go, man, they were awesome. That was great. Yeah. And not have to watch them age where I'm yelling at them for striking out four times. And I, I, it's a young man's game. And if you can get younger and extend your window, you have to do it. And um, I thought I, I think the Braves are better today than they were had they extended Freeman. That's me. I'm a big fan of Alex Anthopoulos. I think what they did with locking up Albies um, and Acuna a few years ago was genius. That's the way organizations are moving now. You saw the Rays do that with Wander Franco. That's the way this game is going. I think once you're 32, 33. And you saw that in the negotiations, right? You could see the players were concerned about that kind of thing. Um, baseball's increasingly a younger man's game, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these contracts are structured going forward. But I, I think you're starting to see some of it already with the, the youth movement. All right, let's dive into the SEC, N- SEC tournament. It's over. Tennessee won. Congrats to the Vols. Uh, let's dive into the NCAA tournament. Speaking of Tennessee, they're the three seed in the South. And we'll start in the South just because that's the page I'm on. Um, yeah, Tennessee is the three. I'm looking for SEC connections. Um, 
That's it. So I'll see Tennessee's the three, UAB's the the twelve. Former Ole Miss coach Andy Kennedy at, at, at UAB. Um, I've got Tennessee winning this regional. Am I just recency bias here, or is Tennessee tremendously undersold as a three? Yeah, I was, I was just just beside myself in terms of where the committee seated Tennessee. I just didn't think it was fair. Uh, I, I thought they were a clear two. I thought they were the best two. But where they are now, I mean, look, the tournament's about your draw as much as anything, right? And I think if you put Tennessee in, in the Midwest, I'm picking Tennessee. I've gone back and forth on picking them to win this regional. Um, this year they play two teams here that have already beaten them. One's Villanova and one's Arizona. I'm oh, sorry, they beat Arizona, that, and that was in Knoxville. Yeah. But they've already played two teams, one of which beat them. And that you know, was Rick Barnes, years ago, you know. I mean, those yeah. were so early in the season, you're a different team. Because with them, not to interrupt you, your, your train of thought, but Kennedy Chandler did not become the player that they recruited him to be until late January. Yeah, early February. Zakai Ziegler's a, a, a better, bigger part of their offense. Sure. Um, you know, they've had a post injury. They adjusted to that. I think they're really good. I think they are. Their final four good. The, the thing that bothers me is this is where Rick Barnes has always stumped his toe. Other than having Kevin Durant, he's never gotten to the final four. They are they are really really good year in and year out. Arizona's playing so well in the top half of that bracket. Between that and the Villanova rematch. Um, I think it's going to be tough, but it's not impossible. I think earlier in the week I was leaning to taking Tennessee there, but I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more Arizona as we get closer. A lot of people doing the let's let's pick our let's find our upset in this. The, there are a lot of people are doing the twelve five upset with UAB over Houston. I'd love for it to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm you know Andy's a, a buddy. Houston's just so big and athletic. I wonder if they can take Jelly Walker kind of away enough to make UAB struggle to score is kind of what I'm a little concerned about. And then the game that I look at a little bit is I like what Lamont Paris did at Chattanooga. They've got a nice team. They're veteran. They can score in a lot of different ways. They're kind of gritty. That's that 13-4 upset that we usually get one of every so often. And I like it a lot. I I don't see Longwood's not beating Tennessee. Delaware's not beating Nova. Um, the 7-10s, Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago, that could, that could be interesting. Um, the 6-11 is Michigan, Colorado State. I don't know. I, that uh, Medved at, at, at Colorado State's done a really good job. Yeah. Uh, and then 8-9s are not upsets. I, I think the one that I sort of – my eye catches is Chattanooga over Illinois for some reason. Yeah, that catches me too. I mean, Chattanooga's got Silvio D'Souza who was at – at Kansas, you don't usually see a program like that with a good big that had been at a place like that. I mean, th- their guards are good. I think that that one and Houston UAB are going to be fascinating. In fact, I, I don't pick a ton of upsets, but I've tentatively got UAB in the Sweet 16 and, and Chattanooga winning over Illinois just because oh, it's wow. going to happen somewhere. Yeah. Um, And, and I could – face plan on that one but Houston okay Neil riddle me this have you looked at Houston's computer numbers I have not okay take take a look at them they're top five and everything they're without two of their best four players they didn't beat anybody of consequence outside of Memphis other than they beat SMU I think once I cannot explain 
how they are where I know it's margin of victory, but even looking at that, like th- there's a limit on okay, you beat a bunch of bad teams and you beat them badly. I don't know how that goes the top five, but there, there's a disconnect for me because when they played anybody, they didn't win. That's that's not a knock on them, right? Great coach. Yeah. They've got UAB's gonna get after that ass now. I mean, UAB's got players yes. and, and they play they, they they're gonna attack. I mean, that, that's what they do. They they had yeah. to the to point of some some point they're reckless about it, but um, you know they've got some players. Uh, the Jemison, the big man, is 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 a good player. Uh, KJ Buffin can be a good player. Uh, the the other guard, not Walker, but is it Ertle? I, I think is his name. Sounds uh, right. You know he'll light you up for twenty some odd because you know AK gives his guards freedom and and <laughs> yes. and, and uh, they attack. I mean that's what they do. So that. That'll be fun. You know, it's not to get de- derailed much because we don't have a ton of time. Buzz Williams said that after their win on Monday night or Tuesday night, whenever that was, Tuesday night in the NIT. He gave a very emotional, well-thought-out pre... He, he wrote it out ahead of time so that he wouldn't say something irrational. And something that he said is exactly right, I think. And that is, we get these computer numbers all year and we do them hey so and so's net is i think it's time to make that completely transparent like what the hell are you looking at what gets you in what doesn't get you in how do you justify rutgers in over texas a&m for example i mean get help me understand that and and everyone does this thing with a&m and well they shouldn't have lost eight in a row or whatever yeah but their collective body of work is better than a lot of the teams that are in this tournament yeah on at-larges. Buzz, everything Buzz Williams said on Tuesday was, in my opinion, dead on. Was Buzz the guy, I don't remember who said this, somebody said, you know, they ought to have a press conference with reporters in the selection committee afterwards. Absolutely. Ask them this. And I'm like, that's that's dead on. Absolutely. Um, Here's, what number two. Here's what they should yeah, do. Ahead. And they have these NCAA lackeys that are, that are in the media. You know who I'm talking about. There's a handful. Yeah. So do this. Go, all right, here's the deal. We're going to embed you with the committee, mm-hmm. okay? Because it's going to do two things. One, it's going to let the public know what happened. And two, it's going to hold them accountable throughout the course of the weekend. We're going to embed you with the committee. Everything is embargoed. You cannot write a word, a word about what you observed and heard between the time that you get it embedded and 5 p.m. Central Time when the 6 p.m. Eastern when the bracket gets released. And then everything is on the record. Every single thing that happens in that room should be on the record. It's just sports. Make it transparent. Yeah. Well, A&M got totally screwed, by the way. I I looked at it left, right, sideways, and backwards, and they were clearly better than Notre Dame um, in in terms of all the metrics that the committee uses. The other thing that stood out to me – and I, I and, and by the way, this is not a, a humble brag or, or brag period. I, I think if you do this and pay attention, it's not real hard to guess who the 68 teams are going to be. You're going to miss one or two. Yeah. And and even if you do a good job, you can miss because you can't read minds, right? Right. What may look good to you. But I mean, there were some glaring things, and one of them was AM getting left out. I had, I think I had AM safely in the field by three or four spots. Um I thought they were in when they beat Auburn. And then they turn around the next day and they beat Arkansas by double digits. It was twenty, a twenty-point win practically. And I said, "Well, that's that's that. They're in." 
Yeah. And then they lose to Tennessee, and it was a respectful, a respectable loss. They, they were out of gas, and Tennessee played really well. But I thought they're in. They're, they're going to be an 11 seed someplace, and, boy, that's going to be a hell, hell to run into. I thought not only were they in the tournament, but I thought they had a chance to make noise. And so to my yeah. point is they didn't get in. So I want to know at what point Sunday when they lost or Saturday when they're on the line where you look at them and go, okay, guys, if, if Texas A&M wins tomorrow, they're in the tournament. Someone should have to be able to be able to report to me, all right, when, when, tech, when they lost and they didn't get in, what was the justification? Like who said what? Because that's going to do two things. One, it's going to make them accountable. And then two, if I'm, for example, Kermit Davis here, right, who next year's coaching for his job, if I'm Kermit Davis, I need to know, okay, what, what happened? Did they did they not schedule appropriately? Did they Had they done something differently? Because you can learn from it and overall make the sport better. Instead, everything is shrouded in the secrecy that is bizarre to me. It is. To me, yeah. it's, it's totally nuts. Put it out. Make it public. And let people learn from it. And frankly, that would be a far more in, in compelling story. And, and honest to God, you want to really make it compelling? Set up ESPN 7 or whatever in that room live streaming. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Who wouldn't watch that? And let yeah, people we, talk we'd all about be glued. It. Let people talk about it. Watch it. The whole secrecy thing, I can't stand it. Make, make it into a reality show. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone's paying attention to it. It's it's, right. how you, it's how you market your sport. College basketball markets its sport from the middle of February to the middle of March with last four in, next four in, first four out, all that stuff. Everything is about fours. Okay, well, show me. Yeah. Put it, put you know, it transparent. Is, I'll watch. My, my honest take, like, have you ever just been caught in something like your wife asked you, did you take care of this or that? And like you should have, I and mean, you didn't think about it. You just feel like an idiot on the spot. Sure, of course. I, I think sometimes that happens with the committee because I don't know how you can stick A&M by Notre Dame and not and, and come to that conclusion. I mean, when I when I do this thing, I got a list of 70 teams and I'm like, this is what this team was in quad one. And these are the teams they beat that are going to the tournament. And I've, I've got everything in front of me. And when you have all that in front of you, it becomes a lot easier to do. Sometimes I just think that they don't – I wonder if they don't have it all organized well enough or they don't compare this team directly to that one and move them up and down and just come to conclusions. And, you know, on, on Saturday this team's a 10 seed and we're going to let them in. But, but by Sunday – you know, a couple other teams have won, and their strength of schedule slipped a couple notches and whatever. I just think that – because that – and the other thing that stood out to me was I thought just about every team in the ACC got a seed higher than it deserved. I, I had – I'd done my own seeding, and just about everything was lockstep with what the committee had but the ACC. I, I think consistently they had them seeded a spot or two higher than I would have put them, and I thought that was odd too. All right, let's go to the West. Gonzaga's the one looking for SEC teams. Arkansas's the four. Alabama's the six. As we tape this, we don't know whether they're going to play Rutgers or Notre Dame. Uh, those are the SEC ties. Duke with Mike Krzyzewski's last runs, the two seed. Texas Tech's the three. Uh, you've got UConn, NC, New Mexico State, and a 5-12. You've got um, Michigan State, Davidson, and the 7-10. Davidson's a nice team. Um Am I crazy? I don't like Gonzaga. Everybody says this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. When I watch them, I, and this is the NBA guy in me, and I can't help it, all I see is Chet Holmgren and how damn skinny he is, and I'm like, God, I, 
I don't want the Thunder to draft him. That's all I think about every time I see him. And then I hear people talk who know a lot more basketball than me. are like, oh, he's a generational talent. And so I know there's a disconnect somewhere. So you're you're not as hung up on the Thunder's future as I am. (laughs) When you look at the Zags with with Holmgren, what do you see? I mean, he's an interesting guy. I've never seen anybody like him. He can he can handle the ball. He's skinny as a rail. Um, he's great in the post. I mean, the matchup I was dying to see, and we won't see it unless it's the title game, was him against Auburn because I wanted to see how he would handle Walker Kessler and vice versa. But I, I don't know that their guards, Neil, when I watch them, are as transformational, say, as, as they had a year ago. I mean, and, and what you said about the computers – Sometimes I start to wonder, and I'm, I'm an analytics guy, right? I, I, I basically believe in that stuff. But when you see them number one across the board and the predictive computers and, and Houston and stuff like that, sometimes I wonder if there's something that those are missing. I think, to me, Texas Tech is the team that comes out of that regional uh, yeah, just out good. of past performance. And I mean, maybe Gonzaga will win one one day, but I'm this whole consensus overwhelming national favorite, I'm just not sure I buy that. How far do you have Arkansas going? I've I've got them going a couple, but I'm I'm worried they don't get any because that from match up yeah. with Vermont is challenge. scary. Yeah, have you looked at how well they shoot? Yeah, Vermont can can really they can they can shoot you out of a out of a building. Arkansas's in, what's interesting about Arkansas is when they're on, you know, they play high defense. I want to yeah. see how the game gets called because Arkansas has benefited from SEC officiating where they let it become a football game. Um, if they call it really tight, I worry about Arkansas and foul trouble with Note, who has a tendency to get in foul trouble. Jalen Williams has been better about avoiding foul trouble as of late, but that was an issue for him for much of the season. And they don't have a ton of depth. Now, if they let them play, Arkansas is underrated defensively. And yeah. and they can they can hurt you defensively. And if they get out on you and get some plays in transition and Note gets hot, They'll be too much for Vermont. Here's the crazy thing. I think Vermont could beat Arkansas, but if Arkansas survives it, I think Arkansas could go to the they could go to the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't dislike the Arkansas Gonzaga matchup from an Arkansas standpoint. Yeah, I, that's just the the team I wish they weren't playing. Here's here's another thing. Arkansas was, I'm looking straight off Ken Palm. 219th in the country in effective field goal percentage, which is weighted for the three. And I think it's it's the best shooting stats you can find. Yeah. You know, they shot great from the line, which the foul calling plays in there too. They get a lot of points from there. But yeah. do you know who the number one defensive rebounding team in the country is? I don't. Vermont. Vermont. And then what you so wonder, that's that's two things that that scare me. You wonder, you know, who Vermont's played. You know, they played anybody yeah. of that caliber. You just don't know. It should be interesting. Yeah. It's, the tournament's great. Three fourteen games are always scary as hell for the four. Yeah. Um, all right, what about Alabama? Assuming it's, I look at Alabama and I think you're going to run into Texas Tech and on on the second day and you're in trouble. <laughs> My answer, and I'm connecting dots here that I didn't really mean to. It's almost like Alabama flip a coin. Um, which yeah. the funny thing is, uh, my buddy Blake Lovell, who, who does our basketball stuff with me, does a coin flip bra- bracket every year uh, where I think Heads is the favorite and Tails is the underdog, and, and Alabama won the whole thing, oh. which just amused us to no end. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I saw the same stuff show up against Vanderbilt in their SEC tournament loss that this bothered people. 
And I really don't like when I'm seeing the stuff that can get you eliminated in your conference tournament when your coach has just screamed it at you all year. Um, Who knows? The tournament's a different game. Sometimes you see, like when South Carolina went to the Final Four, nobody saw that coming. They weren't playing well. It's There's just an element of randomness to this that we're never comfortable with. But when I see something like that, it, it worries me. Yeah. Uh, all right, we go to the Midwest. Kansas is the one. SEC ties here are uh, LSU is the six. Auburn is the two in this uh, in this bracket. Auburn opens with Jacksonville State. Uh, so you've got Kansas versus uh, Texas Southern. The eight nine game is San Diego State Creighton. You got Iowa Richmond. I really like Iowa. Um, yeah. Providence South Dakota State is an interesting four thirteen. LSU is the six against the 11, Iowa State. Uh, I love Wisconsin as the three. Johnny Davis is fun to watch. Um, really good guard. Against Colgate, it's the 14. The 710 is uh, USC, Miami. So we'll start here. How far can Auburn go, and what is it about Auburn that you like, and how much does Auburn's guard play just scare the hell out of you? I remember back in mid-January, early February, I commented – it is really rare to see a team just clicking on all cylinders as early in the year as Auburn was. And I'm, I'm not this big, oh, I'm concerned because you've reached your peak, because that implies like you should, you know, almost like you shouldn't play as well as you can, which is, is stupid logic. But you do wonder, like, can they keep that up? And the, the little cracks you saw got bigger. Mm-hmm. It was Wendell Green's decision-making, sometimes Katie Johnson, those two, their shot selection. Um, you know, sometimes it's Kessler and foul trouble. Yeah, people and would I, say people would say Johnson has no conscience, and I would say, well, he needs to get one. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, look, at, at first you're you're saying it because like you're watching them; they're elite. That you got nothing to say, so you're like, okay, let's let's use a little imagination and a microscope and say what might their problem be. Right. Well, then what we thought was their problem potentially became their problem, and it like it got worse. But I'll tell you what, Neil, I think I don't think anybody got. An, an eight-team quadrant in their bracket easier than Auburn got. I know. You look at the predictives. None of the predict the predictives don't like most of the teams in this. I mean, they've got Miami is like an eleven seed. Southern Cal is about a ten. They uh, Wisconsin more like a, a six or a seven seed. Um, so that's that's where if you believe those. And again, I'm not saying they're they're the gospel. You know, Iowa State was was in, you know. The computers have them even worse than them where they're seated, I think. And in LSU, God only knows. So I, I think that I, I was thinking Auburn's the team of the four best that I might pick with the, the earliest exit going into the tournament, but you never know till you get the matchups. And uh, my goodness, if I'm Auburn, I wouldn't trade my draw for anybody's right now. I know, and I think there's a decent chance that Kansas doesn't make it out of their eight. Yeah, I love Iowa because of because of Iowa, but but yeah. Iowa's got defensive issues. But man, they're scoring. They got a superstar. Yeah. Um, yeah, Keegan Murray is worth the price of admission. He is so smooth. Yeah, and and they got a. I don't think Richmond's really going to challenge them in their first no, game. I don't um, the South Dakota State um, is, you know, is, is a lot like Vermont. It just shoots it like crazy. That's one that, that always scares you too. Uh, they won thirty games, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I think I think I've got Auburn in the eight, and it's just a question of do I pick them to the four? Um, but but it's the same questions you and I had that are they're giving me pause here. 
put any stock in LSU at this point. I mean, it's got to just be such a distractive group. I mean, it's <sighs> what a nightmare of a. I mean, the the NCAA waiting until the tournament to go. Hey, here, here's the letter. Is such a classic troll job on their part. And anybody who thinks they weren't, gonna, they're not getting hammered. Just look at the timing of the release, and you know they're getting hammered. Well, and then LSU is like, okay, we're going to get hammered, so we'll we'll get rid of our coach, save a little bit of money. Um, you know, and I, I texted you this. I said I, I can't imagine that every kid on this team is is playing free and by the rules. Can you? No. But LSU just like because there was some talk um, on Saturday that they might pull out of the tournament, but and they, they probably should have. Probably should have, but it's, it's probably it's not LSU. fair to the kids. But yeah, from a program standpoint, I don't know. I, I think they're probably going. This is our last chance to do anything relative for a while. So what the heck? <laughs> you know, LSU, Wisconsin, in a in a second round game is interesting. Yeah. LSU's far more athletic than Wisconsin. Wisconsin's immensely better coach. By uh, the way, how about Wisconsin getting uh, getting games in this backyard too? There. <laughs> The Big Ten got taken care of by this committee. The committee defended yeah. the Big Ten. They did. They gave Rutgers a bid. Um, they overseeded a lot of teams. They gave Iowa a pretty friendly draw. There's a lot there. I mean, yeah, for the people who scream bloody murder, they have an argument. Like getting ready to get to it with Purdue. I love Purdue's draw in the East. Baylor's the one. Um, they get Norfolk State. It's a 16, the 8-9 game. Chris is North Carolina Marquette. If you're uh, looking for an interesting 5-12, St. Mary's, Indiana is an interesting 5-12. I hope St. Mary's beats the brakes off Indiana, and I have no idea yeah. why. I, I don't think Indiana belonged in the tournament. Um, UCLA is the 4 against Akron. I don't think that one. Uh, the Texas-Virginia Tech game is interesting because Virginia Tech's playing as well as anyone in the country right now. But they got in by winning the ACC tournament. Purdue is a very good three. Yale's solid as a 14, but I, I think Purdue's too much. Yeah. Uh, Murray State-San Francisco is, a, is a, a fun 7-10 game between two coaches that are super hot names. And then uh, Kentucky is the two against St. Peter's. So I guess we'll start this the same way I've started the others. How far can Kentucky go in this bracket? Kentucky is my gut level pick to win the whole thing. Really? Yeah, but but here's the problem. Potential of Murray State in round two. Yeah. Potential of Purdue in the what the for the Elite Eight. Sweet sixteen, yeah. Um, no, the top half of the bracket doesn't scare me as much, although because Baylor I, I think is is hobbled and I'm just yeah. not trusting Baylor to to run the repeat, but well coached. Um, UCLA because of what it did a year ago and the talent, the computers love that team. That, that's where I get a little nervous um, because when Kentucky, Neil, when Kentucky was at full strength, they looked great. Um, and even when they weren't, they had parts they don't normally use that they, they could play and they made it interesting. Now, I didn't like the way they looked against Tennessee and maybe that's a harbinger, but just the, you know, the guard play, they got, they got three point guards basically if they need them. Um, they got a, a rebounding machine inside. They got Kellen Grady, who I think got underused in terms of shots at times. But, you know, he stays on the floor. He doesn't make mistakes. He's probably the best three-point shooter in the league. I just think there's a lot of things there. They got a coach who's been there and won it. Yep. Um, you know, they got the McDonald's All-Americans. They were, what, AP top 10 or whatever the 
the thing that's so important. But but it's the draw. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams in this region that could come out and win the whole thing. And other than St. Peter's, I don't I don't think they got a got an easy path. Probably wherever you turn. No, I look forward to a Kentucky Purdue matchup because I want to watch yeah. Jade. I want to watch Jaden Ivy against Kentucky because yeah. he he's electric. Um, and and I watched a lot of Big Ten. I, I made fun of it a minute ago, but the top of the Big Ten was really good. Um, all right. <laughs> So here's another one for you. Everybody's okay. kind of just looked past Texas, but Chris Beard's done okay in tournaments. Well, and they've gotten better as this year's gone along. Yeah, they've played better. And and, and you're right; he's a very good tournament coach. A Texas Purdue second round game is worth watching. Texas is just going to have its hand. What you don't know with Virginia Tech is, did they leave it all in the ACC tournament, or or yeah. or do they carry that momentum forward? Because they were really good in the ACC tournament. I mean they. They were legit. And then, I don't know, then they beat up on Duke, but Duke got beat up a lot kind of late. So, yeah. I want Duke to lose as early as possible. I, I don't want the whole tournament to be about Krzyzewski. Yeah, that, that's that's one that's hard to know what to do with because they got, what, five first-rounders or so on the team. They did, but three they didn't play well. Three guys that are top 16 picks. I'll tell you this. They're more of a four seed than they are, too. Based Agreed. on track record, agree. Um, that was just that was egregious. But yeah, I mean, I think the left side of the bracket is is a lot tougher than the right. So who do you have in the? You got you got Kentucky winning the whole thing. I think so. I haven't made up my mind, but that was my that was my gut before the tournament. I, I don't like the matchups, but you know that's going to be the case for anybody. If you're Purdue, you can say the same thing. If you're you're Baylor, you can say the same thing, and somebody's coming out of there. Yeah, I don't even. I, I, I don't even know what I've got. I, I, I think I've got only the only ones I feel good. I've got Tennessee in the Final Four. I think I've got Texas Tech in the Final Four. I think I've got Iowa in the Final Four, and then I think I've got Kentucky in the Final Four. Yeah, I, I think we're really close on that. I think all the teams that you've got there, I, I might at least put in the Elite Eight. Iowa, Kansas will be fascinating for yeah. a number of reasons and i don't i feel like the tournament's harder to pick than it's than it and i feel like it's increasingly gotten that way uh, but, maybe it's because they've done a better job with seating and being aware of the computers but i used to feel like i could look at this and, and know pretty well where i wanted to go i look at this now i just get more confused every year these two things one the, the game got a little older because of the covid year yeah. um and so the older teams are a little more mature and then the 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 teams at the top of the rankings, none of them just blow you away. I mean, you don't yeah. look at any of them and go, oh, boy. Like Baylor, you don't look at Baylor and go, they can't lose. You look at Baylor and go, they could lose. I, mean, I look at Gonzaga and think they could lose. Auburn could lose, yet Auburn could win. Um, and then you have teams like Iowa at five that you're like, yeah, they got a good draw, and who knows, and I don't know, Tennessee at three. And I'm, I, there's probably some recency bias there because I watched them a lot in the last half of the season, and I just thought they looked really good. And yet, at the same time, there's a, a thing that sticks out with me about Tennessee that I, I want to see what happens in the tournament. They led Arkansas by 25 points at home on senior day and damn near lost. Yeah. And I just think, boy, if you get squirrely like that in the tournament, a lot of times you, you get bit. So we'll see. Yeah. Tournament's fun. That's what makes it fun is that – there's probably 10 teams in the tournament that could win the whole thing, and that's a big number. You know, here's the thing. From 
from the four thirteens down and, and maybe even a, a straight three fourteen here. I just think Colgate Wisconsin would be the three fourteen. I just think these games are going to be so much fun to watch, and there just weren't a lot of easy picks for me. No, um, well, I mean Arkansas is a great example of that. Like we said, yeah. I mean I think we both are kind of picking Vermont to beat Arkansas, and yet if Arkansas survives, I think they could make a really deep run. I mean, well, I'm I'm not gonna pick I'm I'm gonna pick Arkansas probably to win a couple, but I'm just nervous about it. Not like if you if you give if you swap Auburn and Arkansas, I might have Arkansas winning the whole Midwest. But, oh, yeah. but that's not yeah. how it panned out. Yeah, Arkansas, if you if you gave Arkansas Auburn's draw, they would what's interesting is if you gave Auburn Arkansas's draw, you'd be scared for Auburn. Um yes. if, if you gave Arkansas Auburn's draw, they would they would go. They would go a long way. They might win the whole. They might win the region. Yeah, we'll see. It's fun. I mean, like I told you, to me, that's one of the teams that I'm really kind of watching because I think it could they they could could be fascinating in, in much the same way that I mean, there's just several teams like that. Like Villanova's that way. Villanova could lose in the second round, or Villanova could could go to the Final Four. Yeah, no, nobody's talking about Villanova. Uh, have you seen anybody pick Villanova to no win one. the region? Or I mean, no and they've done it a couple times. And they're solid. And that's why I'm saying this, this is just yeah. so hard to pick. Yeah. All right, got about 12 minutes left with you. I do want to touch college baseball. The uh, SEC season gets started um, this weekend, Chris, Thursday, and um, Thursday through Saturday for some teams, Friday through Sunday for others. Real quick, before I get your just quick thoughts on the weekend, um, your general thoughts on SEC baseball as a whole going into weekend one. A, there's a, there's a ton of pitching injuries to just the biggest guys in the league, and I hate to see that. Uh, despite that, I think the pitching's been better than I thought it would be. I think we all looked at this league and said the bats are heavy, but the the pitching we don't know about. There's, pitching has shown up on most of these campuses so far. Um, I think the big thing to me is – the bottom half of the league or the bottom four or five teams that you really wondered about, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Kentuckys, uh, maybe you can throw South Carolina, that bunch, I think have been better than I thought. Even Missouri has got, what, two losses, and they didn't play anybody. But I think they're obviously a better team. A&M's the team that disappointed me. But, I mean, you saw Alabama went to Texas and with some breaks could have won that series and didn't. Auburn has been way better on the mound than I thought. No, let's see when the schedule gets tougher, but that pitching looks a lot improved. The uh Sonny the Chair kid from Stanford or from Sanford, I think is leading the league in in on base and slugging has been great for them. Um Kentucky took two or three from TCU two weekends ago. Didn't see that coming. I think to me, we kind of had tears and we're going, okay, Ole Miss, Fandy, Arkansas. Mississippi State, LSU. Um, you know, then you got maybe Tennessee, Florida. Well, Tennessee's been better than everybody thought so far. Sure. Um, Arkansas has not been what we thought. State has really dropped off. Yeah. Uh, and now has two huge pitching injuries. Yeah. But then, but then, other than A and M, which I think is the disappointment I thought with Schlossnagel, they might look a lot better immediately. But I think that the complaint down there was that the talent had really fallen way off. I think maybe that's caught up to them. But I think I think the league, the balance has been 
really compelling because I, I was fearful that we go into this and every week and you're like, ah, this team wins, this team wins, this team. And maybe you got one series to think about. Um, I don't know that it's going to play out that way this year. All right, let's do this. We got 10 minutes or less with you. So let's just, I'm going to tell you the series, tell me who wins, and just give me a quick thought on on the, there's seven series here, obviously. South Carolina is at Tennessee for three. Who who wins that series? Uh, I, I don't trust Carolina's bats enough yet. Tennessee's pitching's been way better than I thought. Uh, Vols at home, I think that's, even though, and that's crazy. Carolina just swept or just took two or three against Texas. Uh, but this is away from home, and I like Tennessee. All right, I'll say Tennessee gets two out of three. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State heads to Georgia uh, for three in Athens. Georgia has really got some pitching talent. I think how Cannon throws on Friday night means a lot. Um, you know, State's coming off two devastating pitching in- injuries. The bats have been uneven. Uh, I think I'll go Georgia at home two of three. I agree. Georgia gets two out of three. Uh, Ole Miss goes to Auburn. It's a series that starts on Thursday night. Three games at Plainsman Park. What do you think, Rebels, Tigers? I like Ole Miss, but did I hear right that Ole Miss has not won down there since 09? I don't know that. You might want to check on that. Someone told me that today. I'm not a big believer in stuff like that mattering that much, although it can become mental if you lose a game or two early in a series. Um. Ole Miss lost at Southeastern Louisiana. They've now first kind of adversity they faced this year. They're they're missing Kevin Graham in the lineup, and they've now lost two games in a row despite their number one ranking. I I'm going Ole Miss takes two out of three in Auburn. That that's to me seems like the smart pick. Auburn's again Auburn's better than I thought, but yeah. Auburn also lost two or three I think to Middle Tennessee State, which isn't very good. So that might have been a a bucket of cold water down there. Florida goes to Tuscaloosa. It's the Gators and the Tide. Um, I'm going Florida gets two out of three on the road at Bama. I am too, but Florida's still young in a lot of ways. Um, I, I want to say Florida lost on the road to Miami. I could be wrong about that. I think they did. And Alabama's pitching has been better than I thought. Um, I, I don't think the bats have been as good as I thought. I just think you go with arms and history and uh, Florida until – You've got a reason not to. All right. Missouri heads uh, there to your place, Nashville, to play uh, Vanderbilt. You mentioned the Tigers have played better. Vanderbilt's – listen, I read about it. Yeah. Uh, re- reads like they're starting to look more and more like Vanderbilt kind of day by day. I- I've got Vanderbilt getting a sweep here. Yeah, Vanderbilt's traditionally dominated that series. Um I have a few concerns about Vandy that the bats have not been quite as consistent in the clutch. That probably resolves. Um, the defense has definitely not been up to par, but it's also early. I'm a little worried about them behind the plate throwing out runners, and Missouri will run. Um, but boy, you know, last year Vandy was you got about five guys, and then oh crap. Uh, this year they got 12 or 13 that can really throw. The pitching has been better than I thought it would, and I think. I think that's going to you know, be huge they, for them this year. Yeah, I think, I, the I think they're not as good. I think they've get, probably got the best pitching depth in the league. They've got some really great arms at the top. I don't know about the back end of the bullpen, but I think they got enough options that resolves. And I think the lineup, um, I know it's not LSU or Ole Miss, but that, that's a talented bunch. So I think um, I like the way they've played. They've been – they lost two or three at Oklahoma State to start the year, but that could have easily flipped. Um, and then they've been 
Gosh, they've won 13 in a row since, including they got one against Michigan last night. So I think, you know, I, I think it would be a a huge stunner if Missouri uh, won a couple in this. One, one might be doable, but I wouldn't pick it right now for Missouri. Okay, you mentioned LSU a minute ago. They're at home to open the SEC season against Texas A&M. So three in Baton Rouge, Aggies and the Tigers. Um, I, I'll pick LSU, Chris, to get two out of three. Yeah, A&M is arguably the worst team in the league to this point. Um, arguably. I'm still not sold on Missouri despite the record, but um, A&M has not taken the step, I thought. And, and LSU at home with those bats, they'll win that. And then the final one, Kentucky opens the SEC season in Fayetteville against Arkansas. The uh, Hogs have had some Friday night struggles, if you will, with uh, with their pitching after Paulette went out with the injury. Seemed to have rectified that at least to some degree here recently, but Kentucky, Arkansas should be interesting. I'll say, uh, I'll say Razorbacks get two out of three at home. This is one of these weekends I kind of wish the home in a way were reversed. You because the home a little team bit is, more, wouldn't you? Yeah, because I think if that's at Kentucky, I might give Kentucky a fighting chance. But at Arkansas, Kentucky's given up 109 runs. That's by far the worst in, in the league. Now, they can really hit um, this year. I don't know how how that carries on against you know better pitching, but Arkansas just has not been what I thought it would be in terms yeah. of how good it looks. But th- that may be slowly starting to get a little better. I, I think you're hard-pressed to to go anything but Arkansas, but a sweep might be too much. That's what I think, too. I've got The only sweep I've got is the Vanderbilt sweep. I, I, I think yeah. everybody, everything else is two out of three, which might be a glimpse into what the league's going to look like over the course of the year where you've got a bunch of – 15 and 15, 16 and 14 type of teams and everybody arguing about who should or shouldn't host and all of yeah. that stuff where the league beats itself up. But I don't know, we'll see. It's it's awfully early. It's what I I said on the Oxford Exxon podcast the other day, and I'm certainly not the baseball expert on our at our site, but I don't read anything into a lot of these non-SEC losses in the middle no. week early. I just like, eh, hey, whatever. I I know they matter, but at the same time, I I don't think they do. Um Chris, you've been generous with your time as always. I certainly appreciate you spending uh, some time with us. Hope you enjoy the tournament and have a uh, have a great weekend. Same to you. Thanks so much. That was Chris Lee from yesterday. Always appreciate his time uh, here on the show. It's a uh, show that is also brought to you by Bell and Grove. Based out of Chattanooga, Daryl Oliver, Evan Dial, built Bell & Grove, a logistics provider with more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. They specialize in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. They also provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. To get in touch with them, get in touch with Daryl Oliver, 865-672-6557. Hey, don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves. One smile at a time, Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile, so call Corinth Dental today. For a no-cost digital scan of your teeth, let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile, 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. 
Um, two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, a lot to be offered at Southern Traditions, horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons to uh, buying your first horse, competing at nationally recognized competitions. There's a lot going on there. Uh, if you're interested in lessons, boarding, or sales, get in touch with Bowers Cone. That's B-O-W-E-R-S-C-O-N-E, the number one, at gmail.com or uh, message Southern Traditions Farm on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. So uh, that does it for this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Again, thanks to Brian Rippey, thanks to Chris Lee, thanks to everybody in the thread for uh, making us a part of your day, a part of your week. Don't know what the uh, rest of the schedule is for this week. No Thursday night show tonight because Ole Miss is playing Auburn in baseball. We'll have coverage of that at rebelgrove.com. Don't forget the Mason Brooks show will be up a little bit later as well. The audio is a little sketchy in some spots. Um, We'll get that fixed. It was the first time, and Mason was in a big room on a Zoom, and um, a lot of times that the bigger the room, the more the audio just kind of bounces around, and it wasn't perfect, but you can hear him. And uh, we'll get that, certainly we'll get that fixed before uh, football season when uh, we'll be visiting with him every single week on the Mason Brooks Show brought to you by The Rogue. So, again, thanks to Brian, thanks to Chris, thanks to everybody for making us a part of your week. Talk to you soon with another edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Until then, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.